1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's chief medical officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma.
2: I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago.
3: Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey.
0: Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. And this week we had some lows and some highs for the Rangers. And just when you were carrying them out, they all of a sudden turn the corner and they win two games. They get a couple of Boston Bruins losses and – They're right back into it, but at the start of this week, the Rangers get absolutely beaten up on Long Island by the Islanders. Just a, you know, throw-the-film-out type of a game where the Rangers did nothing correct. They just got completely outclassed the entire game. Really one of the worst Ranger games of the season. Anytime you go against the Islanders, obviously it's a rivalry game. You want to win that game no matter what, even because the standings or just in general, you want to beat the Islanders, and, I mean, it was just it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, so... Following that game, you knew going into this week, you couldn't lose more than one game probably, so after that game, you're kind of, okay, let's focus our attention to the Flyers, who haven't been playing well, and then you go out against the Flyers, the first game of the series, and you play a great first period, and then from then on, Philly dominated the rest of the game, Panarin got a late goal, just to bring the Rangers close, but uh, they can never overcome the the two goal deficit they had, and they ended up losing three to two that game. But after that game, honestly, I was I thought it, you know, we were they were done. Another one loss game. I think it's like their ninth this season. It comes to a point where how many more times can this team come back from the dead? And sure enough, they could. They turn the corner. They win four to one against Philly the next game. Boston ends up getting upset by the Sabers. Who saw that coming? So you picked up a point there, and then, uh, recording this Sunday night, the Rangers get a victory over those same Buffalo Sabres tonight, 6-3, to and the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Bruins tonight, so you went down from 8 points down early in the week to now back to 4, 7 games to play for the Rangers, 9 for the Bruins, eh. It's not a uh, slam dunk uh, comeback here, but I mean, there is a chance. There's a possibility. We're not, they're not dead yet. I really like the way the Brains has played the last couple games. Even It's crazy because you can go out there and throw that just complete stinker on Tuesday, and you're coming off a four-game sweep in New Jersey where you should be riding high, bringing in the intensity, bringing energy, and there was nothing there. Jacob Truba, Unfortunately, gets hit by uh, Matt Martin. Uh, Not high, but it was a high hit into the boards. It wasn't illegal. Uh, It wasn't a dirty hit in my eyes. A lot of Ranger fans said it was a dirty hit. I don't think it was a dirty hit. Unfortunately, he got a concussion on the play, and he missed the remainder of the game. Has still been out since then. And really, since that hit uh, in that game, the whole game shifted. Uh, The Islanders just had complete control. Uh, It just it was ugly. But then again, the next game against Philly, a game that you basically is a must-win for your season. You come out, you play a very strong first period, and then really the rest of the game, nothing. Yeah, you know, there's there's really no urgency in the Rangers part until really the last three minutes of the game when Panarin scored with the goalie pulled, and, and then you couldn't get the tying goal, but there was no urgency the rest of the game other than that. And then you get into the second game of the Flyers series, and again... Uh, you know the rangers came out uh, had a solid first period up 2 to 1 they end of the first period Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich both scored their 20th goals of the season uh the rangers are one of only three teams in the NHL to have two 20 goal scorers and Mika Zavarish almost joined them uh tonight which we'll get to in a little bit but uh the rangers go up 2 to 1 and this time the lead held uh Alexis Lafreniere scored the uh, goal in the third period to make it 3 to 1 and then Philip Hedin uh, Ended the game pretty much as a 4-1 victory for the Rangers there. But, you know, just a very good comeback game. They played well. I know uh, the goalie uh, was a lion for Philly. is not a great goalie. Uh, still, a win's a win. Yeah, they had to turn it around from the night before. There was a lot more urgency. Uh, just the, their entire game looked better. They weren't as sluggish just getting back on defense. They weren't turning the puck over like they were, taking dumb penalties. So it's a much better game for the Rangers, and then tonight's game against Buffalo, yeah, the Rangers came out again right from the bat, right from the jump, they looked good. You know, I know Skinner scored to make it 1-1, but the Rangers really controlled most of the game tonight. There wasn't really a point where you were too nervous about the game. You know, Kako put him up 2-1. Then Zabanja got his second goal of the game on the power play right before the end of the first period. He ends up getting the hat trick to start the second period off. Uh, so Zabanski now is 19. Goals on the year. I think almost all of his points have come against Buffalo, New Jersey, and Philly. So I love to see him produce against some of the top end teams. But, you know, you got to beat who you play. And then Kako uh, in the third period scored a power play goal as well and got his second goal of the game. For, I think it's the second multi-point, multi-goal game of the season. But all in all, a good game for the Rangers. A uh, couple goals there by Shusterkin. He out tonight that he probably wants back. Not just Sirkin's best week. He really didn't look good in the Islander game. Um, just a tough game for him there. And then he was unfortunately a net for the first Flyers loss. Um, and Gorky have actually played very well in the four-one win. So I was surprised that they went back to him tonight. But I mean, he's been there, bell cow. Um, he's the guy. He's the number one. So you gotta you roll with him. And I wrote an article for Belly Up Sports this week just talking about the week and you know. He, Where's as Shasurkin goes, the team goes. If he's on his game, the Rangers have a great chance to win that night. Um, you know, he's plenty of times this season kept them in games that they've you know ended up winning. And there's not too many times where you can really look and turn around and say, Oh, Igor was a problem. And even Monday or Tuesday night, whatever it was against the Islanders, Igor wasn't a problem. You know, he let up six goals, but a couple of them were were soft goals, but still even if you take those two goals back, you lose four to one. And the Rangers really just got outclassed that entire game. It wasn't on his shoulders for that loss. But when you look at this Rangers team and you look where they are, you know, 25, 18, and six on the year, you got to be really, it's crazy to see where they came from. I think it was like a 12 or 13, maybe even 14 games into the season. They were in last place. They were under Buffalo in the standings. And the last 30 games for the Rangers, they've gotten points in 22 of those games. So, I mean, it's been really uh, a tale of two seasons here for the Rangers. And you have to think the way that Mika has played recently and, and the slump he was in to start of the year off, you know, he missed all training camp because of COVID. He just didn't look right for the first pretty much month or so of the season. If he didn't have COVID and he came into season, the season, normal Mika Zibanejad, I honestly think the Raiders are in the playoffs right now. I, I really do. I, I think just that, that slow start obviously is going to kill them this year. You know, you can't, in a short season, if this was an 82-game season, I think the Rangers in the playoffs guaranteed. I think they're a team that's on the rise right now, and these young kids are starting to play better and better together. They're getting more experienced. Again, when you look at it, I think they've had nine one-goal uh, losses this year. They've had six overtime losses That's a lot of points left on the table. You get half those games to overtime, or you win one or two of those overtime games, a couple of those points here and there, and you're in the playoff race as is. So I think that's just, and I don't think that's an indication on Quinn so much. I think that's really just, it's a young team that's learning, and these are the growing pains you go through as a rebuilding young team. And the Rangers, they're so close to contending. I think next year is the first year you can really look to the Rangers and say, the expectation is to make the playoffs. And it's a normal; it'll be a normal year, you know, full season. Get these kids a full training camp. Hopefully, you know, there'll be no restrictions over the the summer for training. But I think you, next year they come in, and and I'm not throwing away this year's season. I, I, there's still a chance. There's still a chance to make the playoffs, and I will be head over heels excited if they somehow make the playoffs. Let me tell you. Because I think when they get into the playoffs, I am not afraid of any of these teams in the division. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh has the Rangers number this year, but I don't think they're that strong. I mean, the one team, the Islanders, they has kicked our butt this week. But I mean, the Islanders aren't that scary. You're going to knock Boston out, and I think they're probably the scariest team of anyone. Washington, the Rangers play great against the Caps this year. They're an excellent team, but for some reason, the Rangers play well against Washington. They match up well. So the Rangers do somehow get into the playoffs. I think they can make a little noise, or at least scare the crap out of someone in the first round. Give these kids some experience. They got a couple games in the bubble last year, but you know uh, it's a lot different bubble hockey to uh, to the you know real NHL playoffs where you have some fans in the stands. But still, they have some little experience there. And any experience you can get in the playoffs and build off that is so important to the development of these kids. But another player I want to talk about tonight. Adam Fox. He had three assists in tonight's game. He is now tied for fifth in the NHL, the entire NHL in assists with 41 assists. His 46 points are four more than the next defenseman any defenseman in the NHL, which would be Hedman and Carlson who are at 42 right now. He's playing 24 minute, 24, 34 minutes per game. 12th among all defensemen. And he's averaging just under a point per game. And he's tied for fifth for all angel defensemen at plus 23, plus minus on the year. And he's still not considered the frontrunner for the Norris. I don't understand it. The guy is having an unbelievable season. Every time you look at his stats, oh, he's doing something for the first time since so-and-so. He's a you know, first ranger since Everything's for first ranger since Brian Leach. Anytime you can get mention a Brian Leach, you know you're doing something great. I mean, half the time, he's the Cadillac trivia question for whatever the great you know, thing in Rangers history is that day. So when you look at these guys, the front runners, quote-unquote, for the Norris, you have Hedman. Again, unbelievable defenseman, unbelievable player. He's a veteran, and it seems like with a Norris, that's what it's about. It, they go off, it, they lean towards the veteran player. I don't know why. It should go to the guy who had the best year, but Hedman... He's got 42 points. He's got eight goals. He's got a couple more goals than Fox, but Fox has seven more assists than him. He's only a plus four player in the year, though, which I was shocked when I saw that. Fox is at plus 23, and I mean, he is on the ice, like I said, almost 25 minutes a game. He's going against the top line every night. Quinn leans on him every night against the top line, so he's not playing against scrubs out there. And Hedman's doing the same thing in Tampa. He's playing against the top lines. He's playing against the top guys. But, I mean, that is a 19-point difference between that. And it gets worse when you look at Carlson. Carlson, again, having a great year, too. 42 points in the season. I think he's got 10 goals in the year now, too. He's a minus 7. Same guy. Top line, you know, top defenseman. Plays against all the big lines. You know, he's on the ice against Crosby all game long. He's on the ice against Bergeron all game long. Guess who's also in the ice against the same guys? Adam Fox, same division. Same guys when you compare the two of them. They're playing against the same competition every night. Carlson's a minus seven player this year. Fox is a plus 23. That is a large difference. And then everyone's all over Kel McCarr. Kel McCarr is an unbelievable player. I know he missed a lot of games early in the season. I think he's only played 33 games this year. But he's averaging just over a point per game. He's got 35 points. Very similar stats to where Fox is. He's averaging, again, just over 24 minutes per ice time. So just with Fox, he's a plus 15 player on the year. I mean, the only difference is that McCarr is on a team that is an unbelievable team. They're the you know, best team in the Western Conference, I, or, you know, in that conference or whatever we are this year, the division. They're an unbelievable team. They're going to be a Stanley Cup contender. When I look at a, a Norris or the most valuable defenseman, it, when you look at the impact Fox has on this Rangers team, I think it's more of an impact than McCarr makes on that Colorado team, personally. I mean, again, unbelievable young player. And I hope this is a entire career-long battle between these two. I hope every year it's between them and then, you know, whoever uh, wins it one year, uh, the next guy wins that. Like whatever it is, I hope this goes on for ten years. They're the same age, I'm pretty sure. But I mean, a guy who's missed fifteen games this year, whatever he's missed, I, I mean that's a lot of time. That's a lot of. I, I know, you know, oh, plus fifteen, he could be, you know, fifteen games, he'd be plus twenty three two. You know, he could be, he, he could be at fifty points this year. You know, who knows? But again, he missed a lot of time. Fox is that you know, he's played every game. I think he's played a much harder division. I think, obviously, the East Division is the hardest in all of hockey. When you look at the teams, I mean, the Rangers, like, 56 points. <laughs> They're in the fifth place, you know? That just shows you how hard it is. We talked about this, the hardest division in hockey. Even the Flyers, the Flyers are in sixth place at three games over 500. I mean, you look at any other division, you look at the Central Division, Nashville's 54 points. The Rangers would be in fourth place there. You look at the North Division, the Canadians, 49 points. Rangers would be in fourth place there. Rangers would be tied in third place in the Canadian Division. The big, bad Canadian Division that everyone, you know, says the be- was the best division in hockey. Well, I mean, the Oilers are 56 points. The, wing- the Jets are 57. The Rangers would be a point back of the Jets for second place in that division. So, I mean, that division lost some luster there. Coyotes in the West, again, 47 points. Rangers be in fourth place by almost 10 points. Any other the division of hockey, they're at least either the third or fourth seed. They have a plus 33 goal differential in the year. That's only one behind Pittsburgh in their own division, who's at plus 34. And that's six in the NHL in goal differential. On a team that's the second youngest in the NHL,
3: Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred Bets and up to 200 Fred Bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
0: So, I mean, the Rangers have had a hell of a year. They might just fall short of the playoffs, but, I mean, you have to love what you've seen so far this year if you're a Ranger fan. I know it's not going to end in the Stanley Cup, and it might not even end in the Stanley Cup playoff round, but, I mean, you have to love what these kids are doing. Kako had another two-goal night tonight. He's had a great year. Not maybe on the on the standing, you know, I'm sorry, in the statistics, but, I mean, his defensive game is so much better. He looks more confident. Lafreniere's really been picking up lately. He's been moved up to the first line. He's played great with the first line recently. You know, last five games, he has four points, got two goals and two assists. He now has 17 points in the year. He's got one goal shy of 10 goals in the year. The thing with Lafreniere is he's shooting a 15%. 15% of his shots go into the net. Just shows the kid's got a good shot. He needs to shoot the puck more, and that's probably something the Rangers are telling him. I'm sure if Amika Zabanejad and Pavel Buchnavich in the locker room, they're telling the kid to shoot. Because when he does, good things happen. Artemi Panarin's just ahead of him at 17%. So that's the level he could get to. So that's why I think when everyone's saying, oh, is not that great, you know, oh, he might be a draft bust. I, again, he didn't have a rookie camp. I mean, none of these rookies really did, but he had no rookie camp. There's a lot of expectation. You come to New York. You're kind of just thrown into New York. You're not really doing no introduction to the city. There's no, with COVID, there's nothing going on. You're You're just kind of thrown into it. His first game was an NHL game since last March in juniors. He's going up against kids who are 16, 17 years old, and his first game is against a team that went to the conference finals last year in the NHL. It takes time to settle in, and I think he's started to settle in. This past month, he's looked a lot better. The entire month of April, he's looked a lot better. So he's settling in. Keandre Miller, again, has had a fantastic rookie year. He's fallen off a little bit recently. He's made a couple bad turnovers. He's gotten beat a couple times, although he made a very nice play tonight. So Keandre unfortunately, has gone backwards a little bit since his great start. But, I mean, you have to love what he's done in his rookie year. Philip Heedle's had a good year. He's shown that he, you know, he has the promise of being a second line center. I think right now he's perfect on the third line. I wouldn't. I, Ryan Strome is having a fantastic year. We talked about Strome and how I want the Rangers to resign him, but you know, Heidel's having a good year. I, you look at all these kids and they're, you see them growing. That's why I'm not the biggest proponent of get rid of getting rid of Quinn right now. I think all in all, when you look at the season, he's done a good job. I know people are quick to point at him, you know. I think the Rangers lead the NHL and too many men on the ice penalties, which is, you know, it's a bench minor. It's a be- but still, he was a fantastic college coach who developed players. That has to translate to these young kids. It has to translate to the NHL. Look like at Pavel Buchnevich. Buchnevich has played so well this year. You've seen him gradually play better and better under Quinn. I think he's a perfect example of a player that Quinn can get his hands on and who would have known that he can kill penalties? You know, they, this coaching staff saw that in him. He's taken off. He's been played great in it. You know, Kratsoff, I think we've seen even earlier with him, you know, again, kind of similar to Kako, like not putting up the points in the, in the stats, but he's played really well. I've been really impressed with him. He's obviously an NHL player. He's an NHL caliber player. And from what I've heard, from what people saw last year in the AHL, he looks so much better. Like there was a great decision for him to go over to the KHL, and to develop more this year and develop a two hundred uh, foot game. And it seems like everything that's come back on him has has said he's developed more. Even off the ice, he's he's developed his life. He's you know more mature, and I think he's starting to figure out you know what his role on this team will be, and. I think he's just settling into this NHL life now. And I think, again, again, a whole offseason with him coming into the Rangers camp and just getting stronger and the trainers working with him is going to be great for him. And next year, I think he's going to have another tremendous season. I think he's going to turn it around. I think he's going to start putting up the points. You can see the raw talents there. When he gets a chance to play on those top lines, which is, again, I I hate that they're dumping him down to the fourth line. I know Blackwell got hurt tonight. Um, which you hate to see it because he's had such a good year. And I hope he's not out long-term because he is a huge piece of this Rangers team right now. But if he is out long-term, I am interested to see Kratsov get a shot on the second line. I think him with Panarin is a fantastic pairing. I think Panarin's passing and his elite offensive shot is a perfect combination. And you've seen Blackwell, sometimes on plays that Panarin makes, he's just not skilled enough to finish the playoff. Like, he either drifts too far or is a little late on it. And I don't think Kratzoff will, will be that. I think Kratsov will be on it. I think Kratzoff will be in sync with that. I think his offense, I think he's got a little better hands than Blackwell. But Blackwell, I mean, what a year he's had. Uh, I mean, really taking over that Jesper Faust role of playing up and down the lineup, killing penalties, you know, playing second power play. Just a lot of positives out of him. And, and I think he's really making a decision hard for the Rangers on what they're going to do about this expansion draft. You know, I, I think Julian Gauthier is an afterthought now. I think he's going to be, you know, there's no chance that he's going to be protected, that you know he's been scratched the last 12, 13 games as a healthy scratch. Uh, Philip DiGiuseppe has gone. You know, it's going to be between Brett Howden and Colin Blackwell for who stays, you know, who gets protected. And honestly, if I'm Seattle... I'm taking Brett Howden. As long you know, Howden has not had it again. Not had a good statistical season. Has had some bad plays, but he's a 22 year old center who has a great junior pedigree. You know, he came in as a highly touted prospect. You look at Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom was a top six pick. You know, maybe Howden wasn't a top six, but still, Strom was an unbelievable junior player and took a little bit to settle into the NHL. You know, he was a solid player, but. No, Nothing spectacular, and he came to the, comes to the Rangers, and he's been unbelievable. So I think, I honestly think that if they if they expose Howden, Howden would be picked. I think if they expose Blackwell, uh, Gautier might be the guy they pick over Blackwell, just because, again, first-round pedigree, younger player, uh, just probably more upside than Blackwell, and I'm, the Rangers will be more than happy to take Colin Blackwell back for next year on a seven hundred thousand dollar contract that doesn't really hurt the cap, and you know you have a player that can play up and down the lineup, which is so important in the NHL that you have a guy who can bounce around lines, play on special teams, and not cost you that much. I mean that's huge. It's so important because especially a guy who's a veteran like that, like, yeah, you can get a a twenty one year old, twenty two year old draft pick at that price to come in, but they won't have an NHL you know background, and you don't know what the hell you get. And these are all things we talked about this week with our awesome, unbelievable guest, one of the top guys in all of New York sports media, Mr. Don LaGreca of the Michael K. Show. He's also the host of the pre and post game for the Rangers. He fills in for Kenny Albert when Kenny does one of his 17 other jobs on the radio. But just an unbelievable guy. What a great talk. We talked about this Rangers team, the future of the Rangers team. Uh, some of his personal stuff and, and, you know, talk about the Michael K show a little bit, but uh, what an unbelievable guest. I mean, you can't get much bigger than Don Record in New York. I mean, he is when you talk about sports radio and just the New York sports scene in general, he's one of the top of the top guys. So it was an honor to talk to him and let's send it over to our interview with him now. We have a very special guest today, one of the biggest names in New York media, Don LaGreca. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Kyle. How are you? Good. So the co-host of the Michael Kay Show, and as well as you are the pre-game, post-game New York Rangers radio host and occasional filling guy for Kenny Albert when he decides to take a day off, which I don't think Kenny takes days off.
4: No, it's usually because he's got to do another game, It's never because of a day off. So it's he's covering Knicks or he's doing NBC or he's filling in for Sam. There's a million different things he could be doing that gives me the opportunity to work. So it's never because he needs a day off. I, I can't imagine him sitting on a beach sipping a pina colada and just enjoying the Rays. You know, <laughs> he's working.
0: It's crazy when the Rangers are off, he's on a Nick game. And then the occasional day where the Rangers and Knicks both don't play, I turn on NBC Sports to turn on, like, you know, a Tampa against Blackhawks game and there's Kenny. It's crazy. Well, Last night, Sharks, Golden Knights, it was Kenny. <laughs> I guess with the whole uh, remote studio thing, uh, he can even do more games now, which is probably a dream of his. Yeah, Oh, absolutely. And talking about that, so you've been doing, you know, you film the play-by-play when Kenny's out. How has it been this year doing it from a monitor from a studio opposed to being there?
4: I had a little experience at it, Um Dave Maloney and I did the World Cup of Hockey for ESPN Radio back in 16, and we did it off the monitor in Bristol. Um, and then I did uh, the Blackhawk-Oiler first game in the bubble for Westwood 1 uh, off the monitor. So I had about eight games. And, and and if you remember going back, I guess that was, what, 2010, the Rangers started in Stockholm against the Ducks and the Kings and Dave and I did those games off the monitor. So I had about 10 games under my belt when this season started. There's pros and cons. There are times where, you know, it, it's not ideal because all of a sudden a player comes flying into your screen and you can't pick up who it is, where if you're live, you can kind of follow the play. Um, there was a, a moment the other day with actually Kravtsov's first goal. Um, all of a sudden, just coming into the screen, darting into the screen was um, Howden to steal it to get it over to Kraftsoff but I misidentified Howden as Kako, so now when Kako throws the puck over, I'm thinking, I see a seven, and I think it's Hedel, and it's actually Kraftsoff I was able to adjust, but, but there are times where the television kind of picks up things that maybe you wouldn't pick up if you were way up in the rafters at a game, but... Uh, Nothing beats the atmosphere of live in the arena, but you get used to it. Um, but there's pros and cons, but you don't have to travel. But uh, I do miss going to the morning skate. I do miss actually being in the building, the atmosphere of 20,000 people going crazy. So I can't wait to get back to normal. Yeah, I know. And then so with the, do you just get the TV feed or do you guys get different feeds as well around the ice? Uh, for, for the MSG, we just get, you know, we'll get the feed. Um, whatever they're giving us from the road team. So for uh, the last game that I did, which was the devil game, we're getting the devil-produced feed, um, and we're, we're watching it. Um, we can get different angles, but um, a lot of it is tough to get the timing right because you've got to be able to time it up to whatever you're hearing um from the noise in the arena. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to hear the goal before you see the goal, you know? So sometimes it, it, it ends up just being the one monitor. It's a big monitor. We're able to follow as best as we can. Um, when I, when I worked Westwood one, they were able to pick up like a camera on the goalie to see the goaltender pulled and all that. But, it, but the technology now is just so uh where they give you a graphic as soon as the goaltenders pulled, or you can see that there's six skaters on the ice. There's, there's ways to kind of cheat um, to see, like you could you could pick up Savannah Jad easily because you see the hair flowing. But um, if you notice, kraftsoft has got the same hair as Panarin, which can kind of be a little uh, and similar, scary. Yeah. So there's little, but it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I think everybody at home realizes that uh, that you're not getting um, the greatest of. Uh, of angles, So I think people kind of, are, are, you know, uh, if I could sit there and watch my watch the news and my weather report is coming from a guy in his backyard or his basement or something, I guess we can all kind of understand that we're living in a different <laughs> world now.
0: Yeah, I actually listened to the game. We were away this weekend, so I actually listened to the radio, so I heard the game with the Devils. And I thought, I was, I mean, not, I don't listen to a lot of games on the radio, so I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I thought it was great. You know, Sam has had some struggles this year. I know he gets uh, some flack on Twitter for the excuse me's because – he uh, mispronounces a, a few uh, goals here and there, but talking about this Rangers season, uh, this show will come out next week, so it might all be a mood point by them. But these next four games are pretty much—I mean, every game has been a must-win. But this is pretty much your final, you know, final chance here. If they don't sweep these four games before the Islanders series, coming up, after that. Uh, what are yeah.
4: your—I
0: was gonna say—what do you take away from this weekend? I guess uh, you know, can they afford a loss here, or do you think this is one loss and done?
4: Uh you know, it's, it's tough to say one loss and done considering, you know, so much can happen, right? Uh, we live in a pandemic world and you see, you know, Colorado just got off a COVID protocol. You saw Vancouver, you know, God forbid if somebody, you know, look like at PK Subban couldn't play the other day for the Devils because of being on protocol. So all this can get flip-flopped if all of a sudden somebody misses a week of time or, or a significant player can't play. Uh, but if everything stays the way that it is, uh, the Rangers are really going to have to maybe lose one game, I guess. Uh, and maybe it would help if that one game came in overtime or the shootout. You got four games coming up against teams that are behind you in the standings: two with Philadelphia, two with Buffalo. Got to win all four. You have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have, when you figure you're six points behind Boston, Boston's got two games in hand. You're nine points back of Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's got a load of games left with New Jersey and Buffalo. You, you really got to figure that the only way this is going to happen is if they come close to running the table. So I, I would think every regulation loss here would be pretty devastating for them.
0: Yeah, I, I unfortunately last or two nights ago, the loss against the Islanders was rough just because I think the Islanders were the team that you kind of shifted your, your thought process to because of the games that you had against them and because Boston does have those two games and it seems like they play Buffalo every night. So, and you know, <laughs> Boston has got red hot here too. So it was kind of like, all right, the Islanders are kind of, Falling off from that, you know, run they had early in the year. They've had some injuries. Yeah, you know, they we saw in the first, the series against the Rangers last week that they're very beatable. You know, they're a beatable team. But then we just got shellacked. Uh, I think the Truba injury yeah. kind of set the tone a little bit for that no, game. No, that killed and, them.
4: And, and yeah, that, yeah, that killed them. Just the idea of having to play with five defensemen against that team. I remember the game was scoreless when Truba went down. It was one nothing after one. And you know, it's easy to say, oh, listen, you lost, you lost six one, so it's hard to sugarcoat it.
3: Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred Bets and up to 200 Fred Bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only
4: accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. But at 3-1 late in the second period, Zibanejad comes in on a mini-breakaway. Howden had a couple of whacks near the crease. If either of those goals go in, we're talking about a one-goal game going to the third period. Now, they didn't play well in the third. I thought um, Shostorkin probably would want a couple of those goals back. But I think it was a lot tighter than 6-1. they probably lose the game anyway if Truba doesn't get hurt, but it's a little bit more competitive. But that's how fragile things are. I think the most disturbing thing to me about what happened with the Islander game, and not, not disturbing, but just shows you the difference. They need a lot of room to create. And the Islanders don't give you that room. They just don't. Yeah. Um, and against the Devils, four straight games, all you had was room because the Devils, not just the fact that they're they're right now struggling, but they they play an open ice, you know, they don't really clamp down like the old Devils teams did, which gives you a lot of room for speed, a lot of room to create, and the Islanders just don't give you that space. I always joke around the Islanders,
0: the most boring team and the best team in hockey. It's just, you know, you watch an Islander game, you watch paint dry, but they're going to win 2-1 to because they're just going to shut you down. And their goaltending is fantastic. But we just uh, got worse. So Zach Jones is be playing tonight against uh, Philly, so it sounds like he'll make his NHL debut. You and I touched base really quick yesterday. We were talking about the Hayek real quick and Potato's struggles. Why do you think the Rangers have stuck with Hayek so
4: long this year, even with the struggles he's had? Well, I mean, you look at the options, It's he's a young kid that I think has shown some signs. You're a a third pair defenseman, and then you compare it to what they do with the first four that have been just absolutely terrific, right? Miller's been tremendous, Fox has been leech-like, you know, and that that combination of Lindgren and Fox has just been incredible. So you can't really compare uh, the minutes or what you're going to expect, and... You know and you saw I mean, listen, Anthony Pato is a, is a veteran. he he deserves a chance to play, but he is what he is, right? He, he's a guy that's probably a spare defenseman. So when you take Hayek out, you put potato in and he's gonna get a little exposed when you're playing with five defensemen against the Islanders and he's got to get extra minutes. you know, and I think Jones would have gotten a better look if this had been a regular non-pandemic season where you'd have a little bit more practices. but you're basically playing every other day. how much can he really show? But now with Truba being hurt, you know Jones gets his opportunity, gets his shot, and and I and I think uh, you got to be pretty happy with these six moving forward. I mean the young, the oldest you, you figure after next year, you know S- Smith will be the odd man out. I like the idea that they kept him to help with the young players, but you're gonna be looking at next year where your oldest defenseman is gonna be Truba, 28 years old. Uh, that's terrific stuff. So I think the sticking with Hayek just came down to. You know what do you do? Do you do you play Potato? Do you bring uh, Renounin in? You saw him for the one game. I think they were probably better off sticking with uh, Libor, and I and I think he could be a good defenseman down the road. The only thing that I didn't like about the move
0: was that Potato was that I think like twenty something games before that, and then you threw him right into. I understand it was the Devils was the first game, but he struggled that game. But then you went back to him the Islander game, which was a, a must win game against that. I was just very surprised that that's a guy that Quinn hadn't gone to all year long. And he decided pretty much in the biggest regular season game that he was going to play him over potato after we really saw him struggle that third period against the devil. So I was very surprised he made that move.
4: Yeah. But sometimes what happens is, is that coaches feel like we got to go with the same lineup that helped us win. And I understand they blew uh, the three goal lead, but give the devil's credit. Look what they did with Pittsburgh the other night, scoring six goals in the third period. So listen, guys got a chance to play and we don't know all the inner workings of, of why certain things happen all the time. But, uh, you know, he went with a gut. It, you know, it, it didn't work at that particular moment. But I, I can't really say that even with six healthy defensemen, you know, the way the Islanders played the other night, whether they were probably going to win that game anyway. But yeah, you listen, you make some good points. But there's guys that you know get a chance to play. You want to get you get a regular rotation going here, and it's really tough with the lack of practices. Sometimes you got to get guys work. You got to get guys a chance to play. Uh, and it's just a very strange time right now. It's unlike any other time we've been through with this. Shortened schedule, playing every single day, almost no chance to practice. Really gives it. it it's really tough for the guys that have been um, on either the practice squad or healthy scratches to really get very much work. So, looking back at this season now as a whole, what is your biggest takeaway from this Rangers team? Just the youth. I mean, the biggest takeaway for me is just how Fox has just blossomed into a star, right? I mean, this is this is a kid that definitely deserves consideration for the Norris Trophy, right? I mean he's got a better plus minus than Hedman. He's got more assists than any defenseman in the league at the time of this recording. Um he's just been tremendous. He's a you know plus 20 player on a team that was struggling around 500 for much of the year. And I'm not sure anybody thought that this kid was going to be this good. I think they felt good about him. He wanted to be a Ranger and and listen, Brian Leach is pretty pretty high praise, but that's what I see in him. I see a kid that can go out there and score 50 plus goals, a a guy that can quarterback the power play. Uh, And I think that tandem with Lingren is what you need to be a championship team. Have that big top uh, pairing defenseman that can give you 20 plus minutes having to shut down the Ovechkins of the world and the cross piece of the world and the Kucherovs of the world. So I think Miller's been nice. I think uh, when you see Panarin and Zabanajad play the way they played has been terrific. But I don't think anybody saw this coming from Fox. That's my biggest takeaway from this season is just how he's matured and grown into an actual star. I know Lingren doesn't have the same size as Bukaboom, but they do give off kind of that Leech Bukaboom
0: pairing uh, for all those years that you have that yeah. stay at home style defenseman that allows Fox to, you know, play his offensive game. And I mean, he's also a tremendous defensive player as well. It's not, he's not a complete offensive defenseman. But um, yeah, I mean, just the two of I think Linggren, I, I mean, and Fox has been, I am banging the, you know, Norris Trophy uh, drum over here all day long for Fox. But I've been really impressed with how Ryan Lingren's come along the last two years from a guy who, you know, when he first came over the Nash trade, I remember seeing him with the U.S. Uh, junior team. I said, oh, yeah, he's," you know, I remember him being a good player. And then it seemed like the like you heard some quotes out of Boston that they just weren't happy with his development. So you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, maybe he was you know, easy to give up
4: for them. But, I mean, since he's been here, it's been fantastic. No, he's been terrific, and he also plays with a bit of an edge too, right? That was the concern when they traded Lemieux, is if things do get feisty, if things do get rough, who are the guys that can come and and answer the call? And and he's done that since Lemieux got dealt away. So is he boom? No. Is this sport played the way it was when you had uh, guys that kind of threw their body around? No. But it does get feisty, it does get nasty, and, and that is a really nice combination of guys. Not going to score a ton of points, but... He is going to get himself involved in the conversation physically, and that makes for a very, very good pairing that you should be excited about for the next decade. So David Quinn, he seems to be,
0: uh, you know, every Ranger fan has their opinion on Quinn. Where do you fall on Quinn? Do you think he deserves a, another season with the Rangers, or do you think that they might look, if there's a possibility for someone else in the offseason?
4: No, I think he's perfect for this team. I don't. I, I really don't understand the 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 criticism that you get from fans. Hey, listen, I was guilty of it, too. I went into this season thinking they could be a playoff team. I bought into the way things um, finished last year before the pandemic, where they were going to run out of real estate but still felt really good. But, you know, it's still a very young team. He's the perfect guy for this young team. I give him credit for how Bushnevich has now matured into a really good player on this team. They, they they come with heart. They come with passion, uh, and I that's all a credit to him. And I know a lot of people got on him when Knobloch took over and how well they played, but he was coaching from afar. Uh, I I really like look at look at his first three years. Right, he takes over for Elaine Vigneault, and you saw the end of Vigneault's tenure. I called that game in Philadelphia, the last game of the season when they were blowing out five nothing, and you just felt like it was time. And then Quinn comes in. And then that first year, completely different scenario. Teams playing with passion, teams playing great, and just not good enough to make the playoffs. And then last year's season shortened. And then this year, let's be honest, I, I don't want to make excuses, but you know they're a team that you know, it was a borderline playoff team where Zabanajad was a shell of himself early in the year, clearly, I think, was affected by COVID. You had Panarin take, what, an 11-game leave of absence. True missed eight games with a broken thumb. Heedle missed 14 games because of the lower body injury and COVID. You've got Lafoniere coming in, basically gets no training camp, no preseason, no, no Traverse City, and now has to you know play major minutes. Kako had his rookie season interrupted, then doesn't get the full complement of a training camp and, and preseason games to get ready for, for his second season. And yet this is still a team that, as we speak, with 10 games remaining in the conversation to make the playoffs. That's all a credit to Quinn. And I think he is the right guy. They clearly have his backing. Uh, there may have been some concern early on, Kyle, at the fact that this was not J.D.'s hire, but J.D. has embraced him, Gorton's embraced him, the organization believes in him, so I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's the perfect coach for this team moving forward. And I thought when they hired him, looking at the future and what they
0: had coming down the line, it's now come all, you know, the the quote-unquote rebuild is now, you know, almost here as a exceptional college coach and, you know, someone who developed players. I thought he was... Going to be the perfect guy. And we've seen players, like you said, Buchnevich really develop. I think that was a great. When they made the move in training camp to put Buchnevich on the penalty kill, I was like, what the hell are they doing? But I mean, he's turned into a top penalty killer and he's been, you know, fantastic for them in that, le- in that role. And the same with Kreider. I, when they say going get kill penalties, I was like, you know, what's going on? I think that now they're either lead the league or second league in handed goals. So obviously that has worked out. They're like second yep. league in penalty kills. So I mean, that has worked out for them. Looking at this offseason, what moves do you think they would make, or what moves do you see them making? Uh, obviously, they have a couple guys they need to retain. Do you see them going after a Jack Eichel? Or personally, I'm a fan of most likely extending Ryan Strome, just because of the season he's had the last two years with Panarin. And I don't know how much of an upgrade. I mean, obviously, Eichel's an unbelievable player. I don't know how much of an upgrade uh four to $5 million over Strom will be in the long run considering you need to re-sign Fox is a manager that's got a big contract coming up and those young guys are going to come to term pretty soon.
4: Well, I'm with Dave Maloney. David said this during the broadcasts. You know, you've got a young team. Let's let them grow. Let's put them together. Listen, Panarin, Panarin was an exception, right? He was available as a free agent, superstar player. That accelerated the rebuild, but that doesn't mean that now all of a sudden you're cherry picking stars from other teams and trying to build some sort of super team. You've got all these young players. Let's see them grow. Let's see where what happens. Because like you mentioned, Bushnevich was a guy that we kind of figured, all right, maybe he's never going to live up to expectations. Now he's finding himself. He's leading the team in goals. He's on a penalty kill. What can Miller become? Uh, these are players that you're probably going to have to part with if you're going to go make major transactions during the offseason. And, and I know they've got excess players. And you do get to a point where you can't play everybody, right? I mean, eventually some of these players have to be used for for peace builders. But right now, rather than getting an Eichel, I would rather just extend Strom. He's had a tremendous um, impact on this team. Remember, he was, what, the fifth, sixth overall pick by the Islanders a few years ago. Exactly. He has the pedigree. Yeah, he's found himself here with the Rangers. He's got an excellent pairing with Panarin. He's He's a center that plays. He loves being here. And yeah, I can probably upgrade with Eichel, but with the money and with the, what it's going to cost, I, I just I, I'd rather just keep the pay, keep moving with what you have, and then the excess pieces can be used for little kind of maintenance deals that you may need to make down the road. I, I believe in these kids because every time you acquire somebody, Kyle, that means that another guy's not getting playing time. So let's see what let's see what transpires here. But I like where this team is going when they're perfectly healthy. I think they're a playoff team that's going to get better as guys get older. Kako, Lafaniere, Miller are only going to get better. They're going to become stars. They were drafted high for that purpose. Kravtsov has been good. He looks like an NHL player, right? Jumps right in. He doesn't have the points, but he looks like he belongs. You can play him on the fourth line. You can throw him up on the second line. There's a lot to be excited about with this team, and I and I, I, I probably just stay the course before I start looking To improve other places and start trading some of these kids away
0: now looking forward to the summer also we have the expansion draft again it looks like the rangers pretty much they know what you know they're most likely to keep gorgiev as the goalie over kincaid i would think just because of the just a younger player and the i feel like the rangers have invested a lot in gorgiev over the years they're most likely to keep hayek uh, you know as the second defenseman along with lingrens obviously get a stay most it's pretty much that fourth forward that's going to be the question Who do you think is the guy they retain? Uh, You know, I think it's Howden, Godier, uh, Blackwell. I'm trying to think who else is in that list, but I got to think personally. Rooney,
4: Rooney, yeah. Listen, I like Howden. Uh, I know he hasn't lived up to expectations, but, you know, he can play wing, he can play center, win you key face-off. You look at the guys that aren't playing. Like, Blackwell, to me, is a guy that has just really been a very nice player, and I'm kind of curious to see where this is going to go, right? Because he listen he's he's getting top line minutes he's scoring big goals for them. is this just an aberration or is this something that maybe he just needed to change the scenery and, and get the proper minutes but you take a look at de giuseppe you take a look at Gautier these are guys that are healthy scratches right now so um I guess those become the candidates right of guys that you know they're not playing right now on a team that desperately needs to win They're the odd man out unfortunately just because of the fact they've got so many players but that's what you're probably looking at I'd like to be able to keep. Uh, I'd like to be able to keep a Howden, um, but you know when you when you look at guys like Goche, I like him, but he's also been the odd man out here. So maybe that shows that the organization believes that he can be expendable. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think Gautier just from looking at his physical presence and some of the plays he's made, he
0: there's obviously skill there, and they made a trade for him last year. I think he was a former first round pick as well. So you see this p- potential there. So I really. I was actually rooting for them to trade him at the deadline instead of just losing him because I believe he'll most likely be the expansion draft pick for Seattle, going with a young forward like that. Right. Um, now, Howden, I think, so th- to me, the decision becomes between Howden and Blackwell, and when looking at Blackwell's contract, $700,000 for a player who you could play up and down the lineup, we've seen him play second line, third line, fourth line, kills penalties, is on the second power play now, almost playing like a, a Jesper Foss kind of role for them. You know, maybe not as skilled as Fost was, but, you know, still mm-hmm. he's producing. So I just think that he's maybe a little more valuable to the Rangers right now than Howden.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's chief medical officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two part episode, you'll hear up close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple
2: myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago.
0: but how, and again, 20, is he 22 years old? He kills yeah. penalties. He's he's a center in a, in a team that doesn't have a lot of centers. So it's going to be an interesting decision to see what they make.
4: Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, it, it's, it's a younger player, a versatile player, but, you know, he's also somebody that really has not been able to get out of the fourth line. And I think there were higher expectations, but there's still maybe untapped potential there. So um, it, it'll be a very interesting decision for sure. Uh, yeah, th- this expansion draft is coming quick. And, you hate to lose players but it's nice it's nice to have a conversation where there's multiple players that you know a franchise is probably going to want to pick up yeah so it's just that it's a good place to be in but it stinks that you're going to have to get rid of you're going to have to lose one of these players so talking about your personal fandom so you know you're a big new jersey
0: devils fan do you keep an eye on the devils games as you're looking at as you're watching Ranger games?
4: Well, I mean, listen. I, I I got to the point now. This is a real hot topic of conversation, by the way, because listen, I grew up in New Jersey. I still live in New Jersey, and I was a very passionate Devil fan. It's how I fell in love with the sport when they came over from Colorado in 1982. My dad was not a big hockey fan, and I remember my dad saying to me, "Well, you know, there's a team coming to New Jersey," and that's right around the time I was getting my driver's license, and I was able to go to games, and I had friends that were Devil fans. But the way I explain it to people is and this is going by how far along I've been explaining this to people. Rick Nash was a big Toronto Maple Leaf fan. He grew up in Toronto, right? But he never rooted for the Leafs once he got drafted by Columbus and then got traded to uh, to, the, to the Rangers. You know, That's kind of the way I feel like with my recruitment with the Rangers. I'm working with the Rangers. I'm doing play-by-play. Uh, and it's hard to just... You, you now root for the team that you work for because you want them to do well. So... I keep an eye on the Islanders and the Devils because when I do the show with the Michael K show, I want all three hockey teams to be good because then there's a better chance we're going to talk hockey during the course of the show. So I want all three teams to do well. So my passion and my fandom for the Devils has gone away. A- and how could it not? I mean, you go, give I'll, I'll give you, you the story if you got a second. <laughs> 2012, they're in the conference final. And... I'm doing, uh, I did, I did one of those games, uh, filling in for Kenny. I think it was game three I did over at The Rock. And um, I was doing uh, pre and post, and I was also doing the um, sideline. So the Rangers are doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm doing TV spots. We're talking about it on the Michael K show because the Rangers are on the verge of going to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1994. And they're going up against the Devils. And and I remember taking the elevator down after the regulation, um, after that, before overtime started for Game 6, and I was right alongside the goal where Henrique scored. And the Don LaGreca, childhood Don LaGreca, before I started uh, working with Rangers, Don LaGreca, that would be a great perch, right? That would be a great place to see one of the biggest goals in franchise history. And when that goal was scored it it became am i happy as a devil follower that they are advancing to the cup final or am i disappointed that now my work's done the thing that i love is done i don't cover the devils the devils aren't going to pay me i'm not going to the stanley cup final unless i go as a fan or go as a member of the media where if the rangers win there's a game 7 i get to cover it and then they go to the stanley cup final if they win and now i've got a chance to see something awesome that, that, that's a no-brainer to me, right? It's a no-brainer that you, you're disappointed that the Rangers didn't win. And at that point moment, it was like, well, I can't be a fan anymore. And then two years later, they go to the Stanley Cup final. Kenny can't do game one. And so they call me to call game one in LA between the Rangers and the Kings, of course, the game that, that they lost in overtime with the Williams goal. So I, I think you got to follow what, where, where your job is and where your passion is. And as much as a, fa- a fan I may have been of the Devils at the time, I'm a bigger fan of me. All right. <laughs> I'm a bigger fan of my career. And that's, that's where you end up following it. So who wants to cover a team day in, day out? I'm, co- I'm, I'm either doing the pre and post or I'm, I'm doing the play by play. Who wants to do that and not have the team do well? So it became an easy decision for me. So that side of my life is over, and now it's about the Rangers. And people can call me a fraud or whatever, but this they treat me well. I'm happy when they have success. And that's now where my life is, and I couldn't be happier for it.
0: So as the co-host of the Michael K Show, I do have to thank you. You're probably the only radio uh, person that actually talks about hockey in New York. So I do have to thank you for that. And I like how you squeeze those in. And I was actually listening to the show yesterday. And your hair, for whatever reason, has now become yes. quite the subject of conversation.
4: Is it going, are you going for the hockey look now With the, you know, if you put the helmet on? Uh, yeah, listen, I like the flow, I guess they call it. That's what the kids call it. Uh, I always had long hair when I was a kid, and I loved it. Because what happened was I went to a Catholic high school that it had to have hair above the collar, and you couldn't have facial hair. So when I went to college, I went nuts. I grew a beard, I had long hair, and I loved it. Uh, I thought it was great and then you know and then you start getting older and society tells you you know you got to look you got to look better and so during the pandemic I just never got my hair cut and I liked it so I'm like I don't care nobody's nobody's bothering me I think I've established myself in my career that I don't have to put on airs you know judge me by my voice judge me by my work and if I want to have long hair I'll have long hair so that's what I'm doing now maybe I'll change my mind or maybe my wife will make me cut it we'll see but right now I'm I'm very very happy with it <laughs> And then, so a couple years
0: ago, you guys had an interview on the show, which I I always thought was very impressive that you guys had him on, but you had Craig Carton on the show before he went to prison. Before that interview, were you shocked that he agreed to come onto the show, and were you surprised at how he handled himself in that interview?
4: Uh, I I don't really had I didn't have any expectations going in. I mean, he was obviously somebody that was trying to get a chance to tell his side of the story. And the, I, from what I understand, the fan was not giving him that opportunity, and Michael kind of got to know him a little bit just through the channels of of, of our work, and he was given uh, that opportunity. Um, I I thought he handled himself well. I mean, it's up to you to whether believe whether he's a bad guy or just somebody that has an addiction. Um, I I don't know. I, I don't think one interview is going to be able to tell me exactly what. Um, kind of person he is because that's really how I only know him is from that interview but he seemed pretty genuine and I think he was he, he deserves the opportunity to be able to tell his side of the story and he deserves the opportunity to get the second chance he's paid his dues I'm happy that he's able to get back on his feet he's got a family think what you want a Craig but he's got a family he's got a wife and kids that obviously he needs to to get better for. So I'm I'm happy that he's back on his feet, and I'm glad we gave him that opportunity to be able to give his side of the story.
0: Yeah, I was just really impressed because you know I'm a, I was a fan of the Boomer and Carton show, and I listened to you guys too because uh, towards the end of that he's got a little crazy there at the end. So I made the switch over to you guys, and uh, I was just because you know Carton says a lot of crazy stuff about ESPN Radio. So when I saw that you know you guys reached out to him or whatever the hell that happened to have him on, I was impressed by that and uh i thought that was and again i think he had an addiction and obviously he got help for it and it led to some crazy stuff but who
4: is in general your favorite all-time interview you've done great question because you got like you know the interviews that like really um attracted a lot of people are just interviews that i just enjoyed doing because i was a fan you know uh You know, having Lawrence Taylor in studio, somebody that I grew up worshiping as a kid, as a giant fan, as a football fan, um, that kind of blew me away. Um, And then you look at some interviews we did when we had Jim Dolan in studio. You know, Jim Dolan doesn't do a lot of interviews. And for him to come in the studio and open up about, you know, the Knicks situation or the Rangers situation, uh, that really, um, I thought that was great because that's something that doesn't happen that often. Uh, having Larry David in studio is one of my best memories when he asks me why Kako didn't play more minutes in Calgary the other night. So that was great because all we talk about is Yankees, Yankees, Yankees with Larry David or Knicks, 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 but he really loves the Rangers. It's one of his favorite teams, and for him to interrupt the interview and ask me about, you know, why Kako didn't play much more in the third period, and then it became like a thing where, I don't know if you heard this, uh, that I guess the coaches – David Quinn's assistant coaches play like a prank on him and, and actually played that audio for him during like a film session. And 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 David talked to me. I forget where we were on the road or something. And he told me how great that was, that interview, because they were even excited that Larry David was a big Ranger fan because they didn't know. So the, the the fact that that got so much traction was so much fun. Uh, th- those are the ones that kind of pop into my head. LT for the fandom. Um Jim Dolan for the news of it, and and just Larry David for just the fun that that interview did and the attention that we got from it was really cool, especially from a hockey perspective.
0: Has there been someone, I mean, you named some heavy hitters there, has there been someone that you just were straight up awestruck by the first time you saw them?
4: Well, the LT, uh, because you know LT is not only intimidating in just his fame, but also he's an imposing figure. And the story from that was that he came into the studio to promote his book. This is going back 12 years ago or whatever. And I was still doing updates on the Michael K show at the time. So Michael left the studio and LT just sat there staring at me while I was doing the update. He was sitting right next to me just staring at me because he didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether he should leave the studio, look, whatever. So to have Lawrence Taylor like staring at me while I was doing my update was just uh really just it was crazy. It was, it was uh a, a lot of fun. Um, so that was that was one where you kind of awestruck. Um, but uh, that that's probably because that was the guy, right, for me, um, that I grew up just just idolizing. So that was the time that was real, like, wow, this is really cool. And I love it when you go
0: off on a good rant uh, every once in a while. We get a nice uh, down the record rant. Does my does Kay know before the show that you got one brewing, or is that just a natural well, middle of the show?
4: Well, the, the, you'll never know when it's coming because you know, everybody thinks, so, oh, Don's going to rant today, and then I don't, and then it kind of comes out of nowhere. I mean, sometimes it's pretty obvious if there's like a really bad loss or something that happened, like with, the, with DeGrom um, getting pulled from the game early on opening day. All right, You got a sense that this could be a moment, but a lot of them just come right out of it, where I don't even know 30 seconds before I do it that I'm going to do it. So I don't think anybody is really, really prepared for when those things happen. Can you see Michael's face when he just, you know, when you go on that kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it when I'm ha- when I'm doing it, but then like looking back at the video, it's always funny to see his reaction. Either that just like, oh my God, what's he doing? Or just laughing hysterically. <laughs> but I never notice it when I'm doing it. I only notice it after the fact. You're just seeing red at that point anyway. Yeah, exactly. All right, so before I let you go, give me your biggest Rangers hot take right now. My biggest Rangers hot take is this current team is going to win a Stanley Cup. Like with this coach, with this core of players, now I'm not going to say it's going to happen next year because that would be a pretty big jump missing the playoffs to all of a sudden winning the Stanley Cup. And there's some really good teams in their own division. But when, but when you take a look at where Washington is right now, where the Islanders are, where, where Boston is in their conference when we go back to the actual play, where the Lightning are, their window is closing. The Rangers' window is opening. And... I look at them the kind of way I look at Colorado's like a year ahead of where the Rangers are now, maybe two years ahead where Colorado's knocking on the door. That's where I think this Ranger team is headed. And I and I think we're a year or two away from really having a serious conversation about this team winning the cup. They've got the goalie. They've got the defenseman. They're building up the middle. I believe they've got the right coach. So my hot take is that this current tenure of team is going to win a Stanley cup. I love it. Let's hope so. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I'll let you get back to your very busy schedule
0: of the 19,000 shows you're on. So thank you so much. Well, this was a pleasure, man. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much to Don McGregor for joining us this week. Uh, really, it was such an honor to talk to him, and, and it, it's so amazing that he took time of his extremely busy day to sit down and talk to me for you know that half hour. It, was, it really meant a lot to me. I'm a big fan of his, and, I mean, he is... You know, one of the top guys in all New York sports media and general, so for him to take the time out and talk to me, it, it really meant a lot, and I can't say thank you enough to him, and, and please make sure you go check out his podcast, Game Misconduct, another hockey podcast, and he does a great job on that show, and, and I love listening to him in the radio, in the car, on the pre-game, post-game, or if he's doing a game, I got lucky last week, he was doing the game, Kenny was probably doing a national game somewhere, um, so he was on the call, so... Again, I cannot thank him more enough, just such a great guy, and, uh, and th- thank you so much to him for coming on the show. And that does it for episode 20 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Yes, that's right, we've now hit 20 episodes. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in over the first 20 shows. I hope we're getting better and better. Uh, you know, I'm trying my best to get the very best guests we can, You know, such as Donna Greca, uh, onto the show, and we have some great guests lined up that I can't wait to share with you guys and again thank you for all the kind words you send me on social medias and, and everything else uh, please keep them coming <laughs> uh, i really appreciate everyone that tunes in please make sure if you your first time listening subscribe to the show on apple please leave a review if you like what you hear also please like and subscribe on spotify you can follow the show on google and amazon as well and then also we are now on spreaker so please go to our spreaker page to follow the show there. And then you can follow the show also on Instagram and Facebook at the Broadway Hat Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at K Hall and Y for all New York Ranger updates. And then the show is also on Twitter at Broadway Hat Pod. So please go check us out on social media. Please subscribe to the podcast and we will see you next
3: week. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name and we're still here. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred Bets and up to 200 Fred Bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.